Here's a new word for you, exceptional. It means including people of all abilities. Let's meet the person who coined that word. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. Exceptional is the word that Tim Herbal uses to describe the employees that he hires to help run the Not Your Average Joe coffee shops that he started in Oklahoma City, Norman, and now Broken Arrow. In this episode of the Spirit of Leading podcast, we're going to hear Tim Herbal describe his journey, how it started, and where it might be going from here. Tim, welcome to the Spirit of Leading podcast. It's a pleasure being here, Garland. Thank you so much. Well, it's a wonderful story that I hope unfolds as you tell it uh, today to our listeners because, uh, and I started with the word exceptional and gave you credit for it properly because uh, it's a word that's all over the place. I'll tell our listeners that we are recording this uh, episode in the Midtown Not Your Average Joe coffee shop. And so live and on location. Uh, live and on location. And so, but this is where it began with a live uh, podcast audience as That's it right. goes. As That's it right. Turns out. Unsuspecting, have, but, unsuspecting, but they're here. But business is picking up. And, uh, and so anyway, this is the first location, right? It is. Tell it us is. Uh, kind of what this is all about and how you came up with this idea. Well, once upon a time, uh, my brother told me that his wife was pregnant and uh, their baby was born with cerebral palsy and hydrocephalus. Uh, my nephew was born... Uh, and his name was Braxton Andrew Herbal, was the joy of our family. Uh, but despite having cerebral palsy and hydrocephalus uh, and never walking or talking, he was the joy of our family. And so uh, being around Braxton just made everybody smile. But unfortunately, no one knew how to interact with Braxton outside of our family. He was excluded at school, in the community, and unfortunately, even at church. And I found that grotesque. And so when Braxton passed at age 11 and I passed by his casket, I promised my nephew that if Uncle Tim could ever fight for the cause of inclusion, that I would do that. And so in 2018, one of our customers uh, owned a coffee shop in Midtown and was looking to maybe move on and said, know anybody who might want to buy this? And hey, maybe you might want to buy this. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. The world has enough snobby and pretentious coffee shops. We don't need one more with us yelling at the coffee shop across the street. Our coffee's better than yours. Our vibe's better than yours. Um, But I remembered Braxton, and I remembered that, you know, maybe there could be an opportunity here uh, to use inclusion as a platform. And so we had four specialty coffee association master roasters on staff. And so we launched Not Your Average Joe, a nonprofit coffee shop employing adults with special needs in side-by-side employment with neurotypical adults. 80 plus percent of those with special needs, Garland, are unemployed or underemployed after high school. Again, a grotesque number. And so for those of us that are neurotypical, it's 4.5%. And just like we learned in kindergarten, one of these things is not like the other. So what can we do to bridge that employment gap? So uh, we created a a coffee shop where you come in, and right now uh, the listeners can't see, but Mr. John is on the bar. Uh, I'm going to tell you Mr. John's disabilities, but we're not going to focus on those. But uh, Mr. John is legally blind. He's legally deaf, uh, and he's there with Kyle, who has some physical impairments. But uh, Kyle would be considered neurotypical, John neurodiverse. Um, But both of them are amazing men, and and John is a world-class chef. He makes our homemade ice cream. 
Uh, he does a lot of our inventory. He has come up with a lot of our recipes. Uh, once upon a time in a head-to-head -head chef competition against some of the best chefs in Oklahoma, he won second with Moroccan meatballs made out of lamb with a side of couscous. Uh, John's just incredible, and his heart is even bigger than his talent, and he has an outward-facing job here. A lot of times, special needs adults are put in what's called a shelter workshop where they maybe shred paper and they're paid a dollar thirty according to a wage study, or maybe they're paid two cents even uh, and and we think all people are created equal just not all coffee and so you come to not your average Joe and you see little Danielle who uh, meets you and maybe she was born with Down syndrome but that diagnosis doesn't define her uh, she's effervescent and she's got a gift of gab but she's also uh, got a gift of acting and she wants to do musical theater and uh, being around her is a joy and she often says that she's the face of the company and it's true and uh, she says Tim's the voice that's probably also true but uh, we now have 41 adults with IDD intellectual and developmental disabilities in five stores uh, we started here on January 1st 2019 uh, we trucked along for 14 months until our friend COVID came to town and then uh, we continued to grow and opened four stores last year. Mm -hmm. um, and we've done all of that uh, up until last Giving Tuesday without fundraising, Garland. We, we built a nonprofit backwards. And so we did it all through what comes in on the cash register. But we didn't want to be a nonprofit that had a great story and a meh product. And so, again, our coffee's exceptional. And there's a tagline on the door that says exceptional coffee, even better people. But uh, this shop and our shop in Norman uh, has a full food menu. You can get breakfast here, lunch here, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, we've catered for the opening day of the Capitol uh, session. Uh, we've, we're catering over here uh, at the Central Oklahoma Home Builders uh, for over 300 for a special event with the Down Center Association coming up. So we, uh, we've done weddings with homemade ice cream. Uh, we, we have fun. We have fun with the food. We have fun with creating things. But it's about the hospitality. It's about the environment. And so you've been in here. You, you've watched what's going on. I mean, you have people in here studying. You have people in here working. People in here having meetings. People in here reading books. People in here meeting for the first time. Sometimes they meet for the last time here. Uh, sometimes you see those lawyers that we talked about doing paperwork in the corner. Uh, it's, it's just a, uh, it's a great place. You'll see sometimes our neighbors who don't have a house uh, might come in for a cup of coffee. Uh, sometimes students come in uh, from high school, but it's, uh, it's a mixture of life right, right here. And we believe that a good coffee shop should be like an African water well where everybody's welcome, whether they're the Christian, the Muslim, the Bujigali witch doctor follower, the atheist, everybody's here to get water and we can all talk while we're waiting. Well, that's a wonderful story. And I want to dive into it a little bit more as we talk about uh, your experience, but it is something about a coffee shop though. I mean, it is. I guess since uh, uh, the coffee shops started to become kind of popular 25, 30 years ago or so, and they started proliferating, they tend to be those gathering places yeah. that people just like to hang out, you know, and kind of be together. It, uh, it kind of takes uh, maybe the place of a uh, town square a little bit so that you can just walk in and sit down and, and just uh, enjoy the time and bring your friends in or maybe make some new friends. So. Uh, how, is, how have you seen that the, uh, the public has responded to your other, uh, your employees, you would say your other, of, other, of, of different abilities, of other abilities, yes. have they fully embraced that and do they find that uh, kind of a fun uh, part of the atmosphere itself? Absolutely, and it depends on the location in terms of the community engagement, but, but here in Midtown, uh, we had a, a moment this past Saturday where 
uh, a young lady happened to come in who uh, had a particular different ability and um, just circumstantially she was not doing well and she got to meet two of our friends and suddenly she was doing super well hmm. and there wasn't a dry eye in the house it, it was just a magical moment uh, our broken arrow store has been incredibly received by the community uh, it's almost as if they were hungry for it uh, and a lot of community engagement and interaction um, you know I, I think the younger generation obviously is uh, typically altruistic and uh, now uh, in our society there's this idea of social justice and you know I want to fight for those who are disenfranchised and so um, we, we, we get good acceptance there are our, our location on the campus of the University of Oklahoma obviously resonating uh, with young people going to college um, our homeland stores I think we have a little bit more work to do uh, I think sometimes people walk by and they see somebody different working there and so they keep walking they don't know how to engage there but mm -hmm. those environments are a little bit different we're here it's a destination those are shopping spots where you grab coffee while you're doing your thing and so that just tells us that we have a little more education to do right. I want to go back to something you said as you were describing how we, you kind of got started. You said a customer uh, who owned the store talked to you now. Customer of what and who and how did that come about? What's the backstory? There? Absolutely. Like you, Garland, I may take after uh, Paul Ingalls a little bit. I've had multiple chapters in my life as I've traveled around and done different things. And uh, chapter one of my life was ministry. Chapter two, I was in uh, financial planning. Um, Never really had one job to taught uh, at the university level, uh, public speaking at Oklahoma City University, and um, but ministry never left my veins, and so always found myself serving others at least in some capacity. But eventually fell into coffee, and so I started roasting, and would supply coffee to churches, universities, and other coffee shops or restaurants. A lot of time doing what's called white labeling. In other words, putting their label on it as opposed to our own. Uh, that company was called Compadres. Uh, and so we had a, a blend of coffee that we called Not Your Average Joe. And every time we sold a bag of Not Your Average Joe, we would give the profits of that bag to a different charity. It may be to a charity that supported grandparents raising their grandkids or a charity that supported veterans uh, coming back from war with mental illness. Uh, it may have supported a charity working with special needs kids or adults. Um, and so it wasn't a big stretch for us to create a nonprofit and focus on one of those as opposed to umpteen. And so uh, that's how that went down. So you're still roasting your coffee. You we have. roast our own just up yeah. the road here, about four or five miles from where we're sitting. And again, we have four, what's called SCA. So think of the American Medical Association for the specialty coffee world. The SCA is the, the certifying board that says, hey, you know what you're doing. Uh, and you can get level one or level two, or they have different names for different things, whether on the barista level or on the roasting side. And so we have four people who have gone through as much training that there is to get in the United States on coffee roasting. Uh, one of our roasters is in charge of B-1 avionics at the Air Force Base here in Oklahoma City at Tinker. So we like to say he keeps the planes in the air, keeps our coffee equipment going. But you can imagine he's a technician. Uh, he loves the science. We have the first specialty coffee association uh, certified roaster that's a female in the state of Oklahoma. Her name is Hannah Barstow. And uh, Hannah is also <laughs> equally meticulous, uh, but also loves the art of coffee. She's a gifted barista of many, many years. 
And then uh, myself, uh, I, uh, you know, roasted for years and years and years and years uh, prior to the arrival of uh, others. Uh, and then our fourth roaster, we're in trouble if we're using him because he's from Britain, Britain and he's a tea guy. But uh, he, he's certified anyway, so he's, he's our emergency release valve. So. <laughs> Where did roasting come into your life experience, and how did you get into that? So uh, I mentioned I had multiple chapters. I was in full-time ministry and circumstantially went through a divorce, and so uh, ministry went away with her. Uh, and so in chapter two, I did the financial services and along the way, eventually started dating again, met a girl online. She happened to be a cardiologist up the road. And so we bought some businesses. Neither one of us quit our day job. Um, but we bought multiple coffee shops here in the Oklahoma city market. And we were going to prior to the Starbucks reserves that some of uh, your listeners may have seen across the country. Uh, which is coffee is theater. Uh, we were going to build an Indiana Jones meets coffee house experience. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to do this out on Route 66 across from Southern Nazarene University. But uh, anyway, uh, we obviously ended up going our separate ways. And, uh, but out of uh, my business divorce, uh, I kept the coffee roaster. And I started uh, just continuing to roast. And... Um, when I started dating the lady who would become my wife, she's the choir director of a 6A school. And so if you've been around uh, programs in public schools mm -hmm. that involve extracurricular, well, they don't get all their money from the state. You have to do fundraising. And so if you are married to the choir director, that means you become the booster club president. <laughs> and so death by proximity, I guess. So uh, over the course of her first year, I had a duffel bag and it was full of brochures and they may have had a different name on them, but it was all the same product. It was bric-a-brac that you didn't want or you didn't need. Uh, it was stuff that was way too much, uh, and it was terrible. It was chocolate that tastes like wax, wrapping paper that was overpriced, uh, and yet you would buy it because you love that kid or you want to support them to right. you know, get a new uniform or to take that choir trip or that band uh, event. And so anyway, I said, what if? which is a question I ask a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, what if we had a fundraising catalog that everything in it was exceptional? What if everything in it supported a nonprofit, not just the one that you were raising money for, but another one? And so we launched a fundraising platform where you could get coffee and it had the NYAJ blend that supported those different nonprofits. Uh, it had oatmeal uh, that every time you bought it, they would provide one for a family staying at Ronald McDonald House. Uh, you have protein bars that would give protein to kids in the inner city of the Pacific Northwest because kids in our inner cities are often hungry, but we don't talk about that in public in the United States, but it's real. And so it was just like that. And so it was this give back, feel good thing, but it was exceptional and it was fair price. It was the same price that you would pay for that bag of coffee over there on the shelf. So you're like getting exceptional stuff. The kids at the local program are getting great money. Uh, anyway, so... The long story of that is that uh, the coffee, as it was sold, eventually would end up in coffee shop owners' hands, and they would buy it from band member X, choir member Y, or church youth group X, whatever. And well, where'd this coffee come from? You know, and uh, they would eventually enter it into a cupping, and they would win. Well, it wasn't their coffee; it was our coffee. And so people got back to us and like, man, this is really good. You need to start doing something with this. So. Um, 
anyway, that's, that's where the love of roasting came from and why we, we got into it. And then uh, why we started supplying coffee shops. And we, we supply much more than just coffee to other coffee shops. So, for example, we have contracts with big churches or universities or coffee shops, and we supply smoothies and fraps and, and all of that. But everything goes to support Not Your Average Joe. And so we have friends in the warehouse that help package, help seal, uh, you know, help grind. Uh, I mean, they're involved in the process. And uh, we would eventually like to, you know, put a roaster in another city to outgrow our capacity of manufacturing here. Um, along the way, I got uh, invited to be part of the Made in Oklahoma Coalition, which is a really cool program here in Oklahoma uh, under the Department of Ag. And uh, I think we're about 90 members now uh, of the Made in Oklahoma Coalition. And I was privileged to serve uh, on their board for a couple years as one of the committee chairs. And uh, it's just an incredible organization. And uh, helped us go to the next level. Well, in all of this uh, interaction with them, again, I'm sure multitudes of people that you've got to meet as a result of this experience. Uh, have you been able to even widen your own perspective of what's really going on in the state and around uh, to see all the other kinds of uh, philanthropies and, uh, and efforts to help, uh, help uh, other nonprofits or help fundraisers or help support people who don't usually get uh, to get help? Abs absolutely. And, you know, firsthand, we met a little bit earlier at the uh, People with Disabilities Awareness Day. Uh, and today we got to see 75 other vendors and how they help the special needs community in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and so that that's incredible from that perspective. But there are lots and lots and lots of organizations trying to make a difference. And some uh, are well-funded, some are not. Some are moms and dads trying to make a new way for their kiddo. Uh, some have been around for 100 years. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we certainly need more people bringing awareness to the fact that uh, adults with special needs um, are not completely disabled. They are right. just differently abled, and, and they have gifts, and they're able to make the world a better place. Uh, earlier today, News 9 was in here doing a feature on one of our employees, Trafford Gould. Well, Trafford, the world may look at him and think, hey, he's limited by, quote, quote, his disabilities, but he's not. Uh, Trafford is a fashion designer. He's an artist, uh, and, you know, he, he's an encourager of people. And you, you meet him, and you're just like, this kid's awesome. You know, he makes your day better and brighter. And every one of our employees has the ability to do that. And as good-looking as we are, Garland, we don't have that superpower. Mm -hmm. they, they can do it better than we can do it. And that's what I love about Not Your Average Joe is, um, and, and really, I, I guess this is the thing I've learned the most, is uh, I shouldn't be the one behind the microphone. Maybe I am their voice. And, and that's great, but I think ultimately we've got to work to hear theirs. Well, maybe we can do that. I was, I was thinking, because I've seen some of the news reporting about your program, about your store, and, uh, and in a couple of those, they've had some of your employees uh, talking about their experience, mm -hmm. and it's just great to see their face light up and to uh, hear them talk about uh, what this has meant to them and what this means to them. And the way you talk about uh, your employees is something I think 
I'd like to take some time to talk okay. to, to, to talk about because it's the way we think about what we call disabilities. Remember the language that we use puts people in certain boxes and the, and the language that we use comes from our own perspective. It's not their perspective, it's our perspective. And, uh, and, and so we neo-normal people, as you were using, I've never heard that before, I may have to work that in some of my training on, brain, on thinking styles and so forth. But uh, uh, the way that we, the, the mainstream talks about something is that we give something that's not like us a different label. And we say, well, that's different or that's not as good or something of that nature. And that always seemed to me to be a little bit uh, unfair because each and every one of these individuals has a life that is their life and right. it's the life they live and it's that's the right. life they know and to yeah. them that is the most important thing in the world to them. That's right. Why should we, why should we judge what mm. that life is? Mm. Mm. And so different abilities or they, they have, they're not disabled, they're just able in different ways. Yep. I really like the way that sounds. Yep. And uh, where, did, where did that perspective come from in your own, in your own background? Obviously from Braxton um, and, and learning that he could bring joy to a room like nobody else could. Braxton, again, didn't walk. He didn't talk, but he had this high-pitched squeal. Um, I, I'll tell you an interesting story. Uh, the other day, one evening, it was a little bit later, and we're open later some nights here and this uh, at this location. And uh, just got to talk into a couple uh, and... Uh, just really resonated with them, but the, the husband walked a little bit differently, and it was apparent that maybe he had had a stroke or maybe had CP, mm -hmm. and, and sure enough, both were true, and uh, we, we talked on the patio for a good amount of time, and uh, he's doing some neat work in terms of he's a physical therapist and helping kids with CP, with technology, creating VR technology with the goggles to where they're playing a game, but it's really physical therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how brilliant is that? That's so awesome. We talk and 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 we're just sharing resources and ideas. And eventually he's like, so how did you start Not Your Average Joe? And I'm like, well, I had an 11 year old nephew who had CP and hydrocephalus and he died. And he's like, Braxton? And of course, our eyes instantly both just fill with tears. He was Braxton's physical therapist oh, for 11 years. And of course, I didn't go to PT with Braxton. Uh, and he was one of Braxton's pallbearers. And, and, you know, I performed that service. But so I'd met him in passing a long time right. ago. But, um, you know, it's just you, you get a perspective of what kids can do. And he, and he immediately talked about and Braxton had that way of tilting his head and giggling. And you just couldn't help but join him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, yeah, Bra Braxton was gifted. He was incredibly gifted. And so that, that perspective was there. Um, I think, I think I want to share with your listeners, if I can, a, a confession. Go I hear right they're ahead. good for the soul. Go so. right ahead. Growing up, I, I grew up in the best named town uh, on the planet, uh, not just in the state. I grew up in Hooker, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, I'm a proud graduate of Hooker High. Uh, and um, I had a girlfriend from Hooker High uh, for a very uh, short period of time uh, when I was in college. So, so I promise I would probably know her. But you know, it's it's a great way to start a speech to say you drove around in the Hooker activity bus and you shopped at Hooker Hardware. But we sh we digress. So I, I grew up in Hooker, and uh, my grandmother lived across town, and next to her um, lived David, and David had uh, a sister who was differently abled. Of course, back in the day, people didn't use those terms. Mm -hmm. 
and the special ed department wasn't integrated. There, there was no inclusion. There was only exclusion. And there were words that we don't use today. And I look back, and, and I remember Vicki is her name. And, and I remember how I didn't know how to act around Vicki. And I remember that um, he lived with her. And, you know, I knew she was different than I was and different than most of the people I knew. Um, but I liked her, you know, but I didn't spend time with her. And, you, you know, we talked about how people today at those homeland stores may not know how to interact with our friends. Um, I, I think of not just Vicky, but David and their family. Uh, and I'm like, that must have been a, a very lonely uh, and a very frustrating place to be in. Uh, because the community didn't know how to interact mm -hmm. and no one challenged them to do that. And, uh, you know, I, David and I have reconnected on Facebook recently uh, and I need to send him this message verbally, but I'll do it here first. Uh, maybe he'll hear the podcast, but uh, on behalf of, you know, well, David, I'm sorry. And Vicki, I'm sorry because you, you deserved more attention and more love uh, more community uh, than you received in Hooker, Oklahoma when I was growing up. And I will fight the rest of my life to atone uh, for my negligence and uh, my absence in, in your world. But you brought joy to me, Vicki, and, uh, and David is your friend. Uh, I should have been there to help with your sister. So um, the world's come a long way. We've come a long way. Uh, but we can't stop. Right. Um, so... Little Danielle, who was our first employee and who is the face of the company, uh, her big sister is Miss Oklahoma. And Miss Oklahoma, her platform is inclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, and inclusion in employment, inclusion in life. And we've often talked that her reign will come to an end. But when it does, this mission does not. And so uh, I, I said, I will give the rest of my life to the cause. But my life will end. But the cause will not. Right. And we have to make sure that everybody's included, uh, you know, for those that may be of a, a particular faith following, you know, oftentimes, regardless of the faith, there is this idea that you should look out for uh, those maybe who aren't as able to look out for themselves. And uh, I will tell you this, when you, when you fight for the disenfranchised in whatever way it is, it, it will bring joy to your life and uh, it will bring meaning far more than uh, a fat bank account uh, or even a safe bank account uh, and, and far more than any other pursuit. It's, uh, I guess we've heard it said it's better to give than to receive and I guess I'm saying it's true. appreciate those words and I'm sure that uh, David and, and uh, Vicki will appreciate your apology and uh, but it, as you were talking about that uh, the one thing that keeps going through my mind is uh, the idea of the person and the person is not the person you see I mean we all we all possess a body we are encased in a physical presence but uh, as I know, you believe, and, and I believe that this, our soul is larger than the per, larger than the physical presence, and that uh, when I say that everyone has a life, 
I'm saying it's more than the body life. It's more than the physical right. presence life. It's the hopes and aspirations and the way you feel and the way you connect with the world. And as you experience the world through your thoughts and feelings, you still have those, regardless of whether or not you're able to express yourself in an articulate way that others can communicate with you and carry on an intelligent conversation, whatever it might be. Like Braxton, for example, he was communicating, but only in the only way he could. But, uh, but his presence was there. And, and I think the more that we get to that place in being able to see beyond the person and see the soulfulness that is around us, uh, the better, maybe the better we will come, become as people and the more inclusive and the less divisive and judgmental that we will be, which tends to be a problem, and a lot of people have a very good way of, of manipulating that into their own, for their own purposes. Uh, but uh, maybe that's a, being around uh, people who are different than we are, turns out to be one of the very best things that could ever happen to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. You know, whether it's, whether it's physically different or culturally different or whatever different there might be, you, what you realize is deep down in the soulfulness of them, they are, we are all the same. And in my mind, that's what it means when the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Now, people have different ideas about what that means in terms of God and image and so forth. But I happen to believe that we all have this presence of energy and connection through the, uh, the energy, what I call the animating energy of the universe, so that we are all part of each other that way. Mm -hmm. And you can't look at a person who is physically different and say, we're not connected. And the more we're able to do that, I think the better, uh, the, the more intentional communities we will have, the more intentional our interactions will be and conversations will be, the more compassionate we will be. And uh, we won't have maybe some of the really egregious behaviors mm. that, that happen, mm. you know, uh, that we see and hear about all the time. So I want to commend you for that. And then also another thought that I had as you were talking about your story was uh, not really necessarily serendipity, but there seems to be, I think we all experience this in certain ways in our life, a certain life path that we end up finding ourselves kind of on, whether you want to call it destiny or way leads on to way or whatever it might be and whatever you want to ascribe to that, uh, we find that, uh, that, that one set of choices and interactions leads to the next one, leads to the next one, and we find ourselves in certain places where we realize how it all came together to be where we are now. Your destiny is the sum total of the choices that you have made in your life, and so your destiny is where you happen to be at this time. And, uh, and I'm wondering, you know, as you kind of reflect on that path that you've had, uh, to what level do you attribute, to what do you attribute that sense of where you are now? Uh, that, that what did you learn about yourself getting to this place where you are today? Well, I will tell you this. Um, again, I guess this is the confessional podcast for Tim. Um, when I was younger, probably like most young people, I thought I had all the answers. But I thought I had all the answers because I got them right on a test. Uh, whether in high school, college, graduate school, um, they were all A's, you know. But that's not where my education came from. My education came from failure. And my education came from loss. Um, when I went through that divorce and my career went away with that, um, in a period of just a few weeks, I lost my job, 
sorry, my wife, my job, my career, my daughter, my finances, my health, my dad, and I was ready to give up my life. I'm like, okay, God, you took everything. What else is there to give? But it was at the bottom when everything else was removed that God's like, "Ah, okay, I can use that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I would say to your listeners that, you know, you hear about humility. Sometimes humility is a stance that you take yourself. Sometimes it's God using a two by four until you get it. Um, But um, it's really my path is nothing like what I would have expected. And in fact, some of it's antithetical to what I would have planned. Um, but I love my life now and there are parts of it that, um, the Tim Herbal that used to be would not have succumbed to doing, Mm -hmm. um, because it wasn't right for the resume because I was living for something other than what I should have been living for. And, um, I I think the greatest achievement in, in life is really giving up your own uh, and serving others. So um, finding something bigger than yourself to serve is, is pretty awesome. And uh, I have some other gigs. Uh, I'm an NCAA arena announcer. Uh, one is for uh, our alma mater for basketball and volleyball. And it's fun to yell into a microphone for some stress relief. Uh, and that's, that's fun. Um, but I get out of bed in the morning because I got a job to do. And somebody's got to do it. And my job isn't slinging coffee. My job isn't roasting coffee. Uh, My job isn't selling coffee. Uh, My job is providing jobs for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, side-by-side, neurotypical peers, in an inclusive environment that's encouraging. And so our our job is to help people taste Disneyland without going there, uh, to have just a little bit of uh, hope and whimsy in their life, uh, and an exceptional cup of coffee to boot. Well, that's certainly a great job to have. And uh, I would say that uh, people who are listening to this podcast probably can relate to having some very, very similar experiences. And uh, and I for sure can relate to that as well. Because I I think that uh, what happens in our lives is we've moved through phases of our life and we end up uh, learning and growing from loss and failure and starting over and things like that. But we don't ever lose all that we had. Uh, we end up taking what that was and finding the good stuff in there, dusting it off, and, uh, and saying, okay, well, I can do something with that, and, uh, and, and building on it and going in a direction. And eventually, I think, the more we engage ourselves with our life and in our world, the purpose shows up. Yep. It's not like we have to say, oh, i got to know what purpose is before I start. So no, get started, and it'll, you'll, it'll find you. Yep. It will find you yep. somewhere in there yep. if you're open to it. And it's... Then, once it does, go with it. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've said a lot recently that I've done more ministry now from uh, behind the counter serving coffee than I ever did from the pulpit. And it's true. I, I make soil now. You know, in the parable of the soils, you know, you have the emphasis sometimes on, you know, sowing the seed, and that's great, or watering, uh, harvesting, whatever. But I, I'm mm-hmm. like, my job's just to make the soil and then invite people in for conversation. And... Right. Uh, and it's, it's been amazing. Uh, in fact, at, at one of our locations, um, we rent from a, a church uh, that owns property on a university campus. Their campus ministry has 
tripled this year. Uh, mm. And I, <laughs> there, yeah, there's just a place where people can gather and talk, and right. and it's natural. It's right. natural. Well, the, the preparing the soil is uh, is certainly an important uh, important way to think about that parable, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that's what we need to do a lot more of. Yes. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the parable of the sower, but what about the parable of the tiller? Uh, this is the person who gets the soil ready to be useful. And I think uh, many times we forget that very important part. Now, farmers know this, but uh, we forget that very important part of what it takes to make it uh, all work. Well, I appreciate uh, all the, the story, and I love the story and what you're doing with uh, Not Your Average Joe because these, uh, these are not your average Joes that you use. In fact, uh, I think what I'm getting out of that is they're way above average in their own right. way. And so it's, uh, it's really heartening to see uh, people have an opportunity to really find something they can connect with and yeah. say, oh, I, this is a place that I love. I've always said in my my training for an empowering workplace is that all people want to do is go to work and feel like they did something that mattered today. That's the, that's the secret of, of our workplaces in our country. Uh, we can uh, give people that opportunity to go uh, unleash your creative energy. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to say about uh, this, this group of uh, people that you're working with is that they all possess a creative energy within them that's waiting to be expressed or and not just to be expressed because they're going to express it uh, what we want to make sure we're doing is recognizing it and appreciating it for the gift that it is to us it's uh, a work is a manifestation of something that you give uh, in in my understanding of the creation account the bible speaks of it says in the beginning you know god spoke and what that meant was it was an intentional act. God intended for th things to happen. And this idea of creation is an intention that springs from the essence of who one is. The, the creation story says in the, in the fine print you know, of it, uh, the world that was created came from the expression of the nature of God, from the nature of God. That was God's work. Creation is God's work. And if we are in the image of God in that sense, uh, our work is a manifestation of our creation of who we are at our essence and at our core. When people give you their work, they give you themselves. Mm -hmm. What's unfortunate is a lot of people go to work and never give that because they're not asked for it. Mm -hmm. But if you ask people for that creative energy that they have to give and express and share, they will unselfishly give it you know, to the fullness of it and all they want to know is, did you see it? Did you appreciate it? And did you say thank you for it? That's it. And when we find that mix of what all those things mean to each other, I think we have that, that empowering workplace. We have that magic happening. And uh, it's really not complicated. It's just that we have to realize what that real dynamic is. And it really is a natural essence of a person giving of themselves in that kind of way. So I can see you're doing that. You're doing that here. And I commend you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, any parting words, uh, anything you would like to say to people who say, you know, I think I'd like to give my shot at tr uh, doing something that's truly at my, in my, from my heart and soul that I really, really want to do. Uh, how would you encourage them to turn loose and just let it happen? Do it. 
what, what are you waiting on? Just do it. Now, sometimes they may not know where to start. So uh, I was interviewed by children for a podcast recently, and these kids were amazing. They asked really tough questions too, Garland. Uh, but this was a similar question, and so I'll, I'll, I'll give your listeners the same answer. If you don't know what you're doing, but you want to do something, go find someone who's doing it in your field and then offer to buy them a cup of coffee and see if they can spend 15 minutes with you. Mm -hmm. Most of them will say yes, because people love to be asked to help and they don't want to refuse. And hey, I've got this great idea. Would you help me? Or I've got this idea. Could could I pick your brain? And so if you offer to buy them a cup cup of coffee, uh, by the way, I know a place uh, or two or three or four or five, five coffee shops uh, where you could go have a cup of coffee with somebody and they could share that wisdom with you. I, I think that's where I would tell them to start. Great advice. Great advice. Find someone who knows something about it and ask them for the help because I guarantee you they're willing to share. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, absolutely. And um, if, if your listeners want to engage with us, they can find us at nyaj.coffee and would encourage them to check out more of our story and opportunities to become involved, whether it's a monthly donor or if they want to volunteer. We have opportunities where they can pair up and mentor or work special events with us. Uh, We've got more and more opportunities coming. We need to be in more and more cities uh, and not just in Oklahoma. Uh, We're being invited right now to places in other states uh, across the country. Uh, I I wish listeners could see what we see because right now the guy who's legally blind and legally deaf is the one making the coffee for all the customers and he's kicking it. I think they can hear it in the background because I could hear the machine going. But uh, well, listen, uh, Tim, thanks so much for uh, taking time and carving out a little bit of time at the end of the day to uh, host us and uh, to to, uh, be able to record this and hear the story straight from you. Uh, Keep being the voice of Not Your Average Show because you tell it well. And I'm sure, you know, we're going to be hearing more from it. And I'm looking forward to the day to come back and perhaps we can talk to a couple of uh, your employees. No, specifically. that would be great. I think that would be a wonderful follow-up of this particular podcast. Well, to be able we to look hear forward story. to that. That will be fun. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, that's Tim Herbel, the founder and uh, the executive director of Not Your Average Joe Coffee, a not-for-profit enterprise with a mission to help uh, exceptional people unleash their creative energy to make their world and yours more wholesome and joyful. So that's it for this installment of the Spirit of Leading podcast, and I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work or in the community. When you join the Empowered, you'll get notification of my latest podcast and the the latest posts in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge your expectations of living and the expectations of living in others as well. I'm Garland McWaters.